Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 14 Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardis. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to make those last few moves needed to lock down those playoff spots. Come on, people. Next week, Fantasy Playoffs. Let's get better. And helping me do just that today, none other than Fantasy Life's finest betting expert, betting life's finest, you could even say, Matthew Freeman. Matthew, what's up, man? Uh, just, you know, going through the injury reports, uh, you know, mourning Isaiah Pacheco and his absence this week and just trying to think about what that means for, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, and we'll, we'll certainly talk about that on the show. But fortunately, it doesn't feel like it's a terrible week for injuries. So, you know, that's good. That is the headliner. But yes, to your point, definitely were a couple different injuries that really look like they could go either way earlier in the week. And things have mostly trended forward in a positive direction as I knock on wood, hopefully not too loudly in your earphones. But with that, everyone, let's get after it. Starting off, as always, with quarterback Lamar Jackson does not have the best uh, immune system in uh, among NFL quarterbacks. Freeman. I think we can safely say that did not practice on Thursday, but was back out there on Friday, ultimately not listed on the final injury report and good to go for Sunday's matchup here against the Rams. Now, this one is going to be a bad weather game. If you guys have listened to really any podcast this week, I'm sure you've heard a lot about the weather. That said, things have chilled out a bit. When you go ahead and look at Roto-Grinders, shout out Kevin Ross, Weather Edge, the Jets and Ravens games are actually the only games now with a rating above green. So orange rating does warrant some downgrades, but in these games, we are looking at winds of 15 miles per hour, not the ever-dangerous 20. 20 plus and the rain is looking more like the light moderate as opposed to super heavy out there so still not ideal Friedman but you know Lamar Jackson still very much someone we're going to be firing up as a what top eight quarterback albeit this year averaging you know a five-year low and 18 and a half fantasy points per game yeah I mean you know mid-range QB one uh obviously we wish there were better uh better weather but honestly that actually might play a little bit more to uh to the Ravens and maybe Jackson runs a little bit more and you know maybe we actually see him get uh, a little bit of a fantasy boost because of that so we'll see but um yeah the weather it shouldn't be as bad as I think everyone was expecting earlier in the week but this total is still in the betting market sitting around 40 so it's not like uh we should be expecting a ton of points it's a good example of why you really probably shouldn't look that closely at weather until the weekend. But you know what, Freeman, when I got my fantasy playoffs on the line, I was getting a little bit ahead of myself. OK, so I'm happy that Mother Nature is seemingly cooperating just a bit more. Over in Jacksonville, again, a situation that looked really bad earlier in the week has gotten slightly better. Trevor Lawrence officially questionable and being called a game time decision by head coach Doug Peterson. So got back-to-back limited practices in at the end of the week. If he is not healthy enough to go, it will be C.J. Bethard, who was limited in his own right with the shoulder injury, but he is not listed on the final injury report. So Friedman, I really didn't think T-Law was going to have a chance to play this week, but he is, you know, making the right moves. Obviously not an easy match up in Cleveland that said this is a weather game that looked like it was going to be a lot worse earlier in the week and now it's not even you know striking as one that we necessarily even need to adjust the ranks about so if we do see Trevor Lawrence gut through this how are you inclined to treat the rest of these skill position players and what is even with good weather still a pretty tough matchup yeah it's it's a weird situation. I'm skeptical. We see Lawrence play this uh, in the betting market is still favoring the Browns as three point, uh, you know, superior team here. So I, I don't think we see Lawrence, but if we do see Lawrence, then I don't think this flips all the way back to Jags minus three. That's where it was before he suffered the injury. But I think this certainly moves towards a pick them. And I think we see a boost for Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram and, you know, probably even Travis Etienne. uh, slight boost, maybe just same tier, but maybe move up a little bit. But uh, certainly I think this would help the pass catchers. If Trevor Lawrence plays now someone that we've had, you know, up in that kind of mid-tier low-end QB1 discussion more weeks than not throughout the year, even if he has been disappointing, you know, up until recently. I mean, when I'm looking at the QB1 borderline, seeing guys like Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Joshua Dobbs, Gardner Minshew, you starting to hop with Lawrence over any of those guys? I mean, the legs have been a big part of his game this year, 20.7 rushing yards. I don't think we're going to get that, you know, Superman reach thing they've been doing at the goal line uh, with the state that has ankles in right now 
Yeah, I would be really hesitant to start him uh, because of the ankle, a little bit because of the weather. And then also it's a brutal matchup anyway. You know, this yeah. is a game with a, like a 33 point total. Um, and the the Browns have just been defensively amazing at home. And, you know, some of that can be like, you know, a little bit of flukiness, like who they're playing, whether whatever it is, but like at home, they just, they have absolutely dominated teams and they're getting back Denzel Ward this week, who really does help change their defense. That is the, you know, kind of double edged sword here with the three games that we thought were going to be a lot more problematic. Weather-wise, the Jaguars are taking on the Browns. We got the Rams taking on the Ravens. And then we also have, oh my goodness, what's the third one? I was looking for the Texans going, yeah, Texans facing the Jets. Like, okay, bad weather, that sucks. But then also we're talking about three of the best pass defenses in all of football uh, for these groups to deal with in addition to it. So truly is the perfect storm. Shout out Mark Wahlberg. All right, in the Saints, apparently Freeman, Derek Carr has suffered his third, looked like a season-ending worthy type of injury. I mean, all three instances look bad, and now it's looking like in all three instances he will be healthy enough to suit up the very next week. So officially questionable, but he made his way right through the DMP, LP, and FP progression, and he now is again on track to start Sunday. So we'll see who he's going to have out there. You know, we'll talk about Chris Olave, Taysom Hill, and company a bit more, but it looks like Friedman from the way I'm reading things not going to see the Jameis Winston experience which you know probably better for the Saints uh you know win loss real life prospects but it is a fun time watching Jameis go do Jameis things yeah absolutely I am I'm shocked that we're seeing Carr because it wasn't really all that long ago that he had another concussion it was a month ago 21 days I think Yeah, as you mentioned, like suffered like multiple injuries this year and even like this week, like it was multiple. It was like concussion, ribs, shoulder, like right shoulder. too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy, like it feels like he needs like just like to take a vacation starting now, you know, like uh, spend some time at a spa, you know, like let his body recover. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to want to start him in fantasy anyway, unless you're, you know, in a, a two QB situation, but I'm really shocked that we're seeing him out there. And I would expect that we do see him out there, um, you know, given the progression he's made in practice, but the betting <laughs> betting market, like hasn't reacted at all really to the fact that it's, uh, it's Derek Carr. Like I think Carr to Winston is somewhat interchangeable. Like obviously with Winston, he has a far wider range of outcomes, but in terms of like what this means to the betting line, it's virtually nothing. I all those quarterbacks I named uh, earlier when we were talking, uh, you know, about who are we just talking about? Excuse me. When we we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, I would start all those guys, you know, your Minshews, your Dobbs, your Russes of the world, also oh, over yeah. Derek Carr. I think it gets interesting when we get to the Baker Mayfields, the Geno Smiths, the Jake Brownings of the world. Like that probably is the tier of cars in. But yeah, unless you're in a super oh, flex two QB league. Yeah, and I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like even then, if you want to start those guys over Carr, I don't blame you, but that is about the tier we're talking about. Final two notes, Aaron Rodgers. Once again, out with that Achilles, New York Jets. Uh, yeah under 1% chance of make it the postseason. So not looking like we will see Rodgers until at least 2024. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson has cleared the concussion protocol. The Browns are, you know, pulling a page out of Jonathan Gannon's week one playbook and just not naming a quarterback, even though it's like, come on guys, we know what you're doing here. So Joe Flacco, you know, he was the guy talking to the media on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever the starting quarterback usually does that. He is fully expecting to draw the start. You're with me, right? Freeman. Yeah, and I think if Flacco has another performance similar to what he had last week, he's probably the starter for the foreseeable future until he has just like an implosion game, at which point they probably go back to the rookie. But they're still vying for a playoff spot, you know, like they can't really afford to burn any of these games. And Flacco right now gives them, I think, like in my opinion, he gives them the best chance to win. Joe Flacco, nine and two career record in Cleveland. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Moving on to running back. Guys, we are officially on to our DraftKings. This sucks injury of the week. Appreciate our fine friends over at DraftKings. Love, you know, just 
Sometimes, sometimes taking money from them uh, on Sundays, Friedman, not most of the time, but sometimes, you know, especially this Sunday, I just have a good feeling about that, but love our friends at DraftKings. And again, this is our, this sucks injury of the week goes out to chiefs RB Isaiah Pacheco dealing with the same injured shoulder as last season. He has officially been ruled out and, and Andy Reid gave the fateful we'll see when asked about him going to IR. So really could be a regular season ender for Pacheco, which now leads us to the question, Friedman, Clyde Edwards, or Jared McKinnon, who has missed time recently with a groin injury, but he is not listening on the final injury report and ready to go. Luckily, we did get some word from Andy Reid, who actually did go ahead and say that CEH will be the number one RB. That said, the caveat that we haven't seen every quote report is that they still will have, you know, different packages out there. So look, I'm not expecting to see Clyde go out there and have this 80, 90% snap workhorse role. If anything, Friedman, I think it'll be 50-50-ish and it'll be Jarek getting more of the fans friendly pass down work that we want in the first place it's a little iffy right now i think i'm gonna have a hard time ranking either guy inside the positions top 24 so man very close the more i think about it i think i'll still give Jarek the slight edge but they're gonna be ranked like right next to each other yeah i think that's i think that's right uh especially in, in ppr Jarek yeah. mckinnon gets the nod and half ppr i think they're pretty close i still go with Jarek mckinnon and I would have McKinnon probably as a high-end RB3. Honestly, I would be tempted to put him even a little bit higher than that. Um, but uh, I don't what want What about any... versus uh, AJ Dillon or like DeAndre Swift? Ooh. Uh, DeAndre Swift ahead of him. Probably yeah. AJ Dillon ahead of him. Ass- I would even think Jones about it out, more. Yeah, yeah assume, but think about like where we had Pacheco before this injury really popped up on the radar. This week, I thought of Pacheco as, uh, like, I had him ranked RB6. We all had him in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not to say, like, all of that, like, production at the running back position that we were allocating to Pacheco shifts over to Edwards Alaire and Jarek McKinnon, but, like, there's still, there's production there to be had, and it's just a question of, like, how we allocate it. But I, I don't know. I need to think a lot more about McKinnon. And like from the DFS perspective, like I do wonder how chalky this is going to make McKinnon or CEH uh, at DraftKings. Probably pretty ridiculous. I mean, thank God we have the uh, 4K price floor for running backs these days. If we were still sitting at 3K, I can only imagine uh, how much they would be jammed in there. But hey, man, I mean, second highest game total of the week. It's going to be the highest total on the main slate with Cowboys Eagles, you know, going off on Sunday night. I mean, especially full PPR. That's the thing. Full PPR, I'm definitely giving, uh, you know, Jarek the benefit of the doubt ahead of CEH. And I mean, it's not only just last season, man, that we saw Jared go ahead and do this, but like the Chiefs, even like in those Damian Williams uh, and Kareem Hunt days, like we have seen them go throughout regular seasons using committees. And then as things wind down, they get late into December and January, start leaning more so on one featured back. And, you know, we just. Not saying that Jarek has the longest uh, stretch of doing that, but man, it sure as heck looks a lot better than what CEH has done. He's like uh, a little bit of like the Derrick Henry in December. It's like, okay, Jerk McKinnon, it's his time of the year. Uh, 4,800 for McKinnon on DraftKings. Ooh, wow. he, will, he will be kind of interesting at that price point. Are there any good pivots off him right there that you're seeing right away? Because I'm guessing that's going to be 15% plus easily. Yeah. Uh, let me look at, at running back here. Um, I don't, I don't know. He's at 4,800. He's at 4,800. Oh, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson. Yeah, Keaton's a good one, too. Keaton Mitchell and Roshan Johnson both at 4,900. And then, I mean, Damian Pierce, that's a tough matchup that he has, but he's at 5,000. So there, there are some pivots there. Yeah, I like the Keaton Roshan post bye week rookie bump potential. Both guys at yeah. home. Both guys that honestly before the bye already saw a nice bump in utilization. So I like what we're cooking with there, Friedman. So again, we do like Jarek as a, you know, borderline RB2 in redraft. If you guys are going over and playing on DraftKings, which you should, it's a fun time. Uh, probably in tournaments, though, going to be pivoting to Keaton and Roshan. 
All right, some more AFC East running backs dealing with injuries. We have Brees Hall questionable with an ankle and also Raheem Mostert dealing with a knee injury. The good news is Mostert did get a limited practice on Friday. He's already been popping up with this a lot. I am fully expecting him to suit up on Monday night against the Titans where he should be in far more fancy lineups than not. A little more complicated with Brees Hall Freeman. You know, he was a DMP on Wednesday and Thursday and only got in that limited session on Friday. So it's this weird thing with the Jets where we keep kind of getting these reports about them wanting to feature like their young players, you know, the Jeremy Ruckerts and Xavier Gibsons of the world. And then they'll be like, yeah, and Dalvin Cook as well, because they want to get him involved for some reason. So, you know, Brees, he hasn't run for more than 50 yards in a game since like week six. He's been staying alive thanks to some of the receiving work. But man, Friedman, low end RB2. And just I think in close start sit decisions, I'm very much fine with uh, telling Brees Hall to, you know, grab a grab a seat on the bench this week. Yeah, I'm low-key terrified of this spot, and it's a different injury for him. So two weeks ago, it was a hamstring injury. He was limited in practice and then got in the full session on Friday. This week, like, it's a new injury. It's it's an ankle injury uh, that I think he suffered during this past game. As you mentioned, didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. The limited session on Friday is, you know, like, encouraging, like, suggestive that he's going to play through his questionable tag. I think he does suit up, but... Because it's a new injury, uh, I f- feel like there's just much more risk of them actually using Dalvin Cook in this spot and like having it be much more of a timeshare. So I don't, I mean, I don't think I'm going the full distance of like outright like benching Brees Hall, but like as you mentioned, like yeah, I have him right at RB20. And I'm the highest on staff with him. Like we're all in the same general range, but like that's the range. Whereas, you know, think about like six weeks ago, we all would have had him as like a high end RB1 or like thereabouts. So it's, it's a really negative situation with the offense. And maybe with Zach Wilson, it feels so dirty to say maybe with Zach Wilson back in the lineup, it's, it's a better offense, but I don't, I don't know. And of course, because of the weather, uh, a low scoring game, And you think with the bad weather, maybe that means they run the ball a little bit more, but still like the scoring is so diminished in this spot that like, I don't think we're going to have many goal line opportunities for him. So it's, it's a pretty nasty brew of everything going on with Brees Hall. Consensus RB21 when we add up all four of our ranks behind guys like James Cook, Derrick Henry, David Montgomery, Javante Williams, ETN, Mostert, amongst others. So, yeah, a lot of things uh, looking south. But then again, as we saw, you know, with Zico Elliott on Thursday night, sometimes, guys, you just get enough of that volume. and They have a way of working themselves out, even in some of the grossest offenses in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor out for the Colts, which means Zach Moss is cemented as a high-end RB1. He is the number three overall running back on the week in our fantasy live consensus ranks behind only Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. This is an absolute smash spot. I cannot overstate this. You cannot show me a lineup where you should not be starting Zach Moss. I invite you to challenge me on that. You can you know, send it out to me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, he dudded last week. But Friedman, we could not have asked for better utilization. And you're facing a Bengals defense that has been right there with the Broncos as the two worst groups, largely uh, against the run all season. Yeah, absolutely. You said it. The utilization last week was what we want to see. And uh, I think it means that like, okay, so I'm in a dynasty league. This is, I'm going to make this totally about me, but I'm in a dynasty league with a late uh, trade deadline. So even though it's week 14, we still have like up until next week to swing a trade and the guy in my league who has Zach Moss is going to have the number one pick. So like he's out of the playoffs. He should be looking to try to sell Zach Moss. Like what is a reasonable pick to send to him to get Zach Moss? You're trying to get that title for this year, man. I don't, it would be a late first. I would really See, that try. Feels high. That feels that's high what I'm saying. Me. I don't think I would give that. Yeah. I tried. I'd be fine packaging, you know, a player in like a second. I wouldn't want to give up the first. But man, yeah. that's tempting. And that's just yeah. to show you how high uh, the value can be. Because I'm just saying, if you were like, you had a pretty nice certainty that you were going to have like the 111 or the 112, I'd be more mm-hmm. inclined to do it. But yeah, man. I can't, I couldn't do it for a first, but like this kind of like touches on how valuable this guy could be down the stretch, because I think Jonathan Taylor is likely to miss 
uh, not obviously just this week, but like next week and maybe the week after that. Um, so you, you could have like Zach Moss for like a core stretch run of the playoffs. And as you mentioned, that usage last week was great in the games that he has been the guy. So he's played with the Colts nine games with the snap rate of more than 50%. Most of those games were without Jonathan Taylor, a couple games in there. Jonathan Taylor was there, but in those games, nine games as you know, the guy 920 yards and five touchdowns, you know, he's like, he's getting it. Uh, I'm and this, this week going against the Bengals number 30 in defensive rush EPA. Like this is a matchup where Zach Moss literally could be the number one running back on the slate. Like, you know, it, it feels blasphemous to say that when Christian McCaffrey is still alive, but, uh, man, Zach Moss could dominate in this spot. It's literally CMC, Zach Moss, Kyron Williams. Like those are the three most fantasy friendly roles in fantasy football right now. And we just need to accordingly continue to rank them as high as possible. So yeah. Also guess what? This Colts offense, like shout out Shane Steich and, you know, having the quarterback change and all that they scored as many offensive touchdowns as the Texans and chiefs this season. So not even just a volume thing with Jonathan Taylor. We also happen to find ourselves in a pretty fantasy friendly scoring environment. Got it. Love that. All right, in Jacksonville, both Travis Etienne, him with a rib injury, and Dearness Johnson are officially questionable. Dearness dealing with the knee. That said, they were able to practice in a limited fashion to end the week, and I am expecting them to keep playing through the pain. The only problem with Etienne is honestly, like, for even, like, you know, I've, I've already held up my L very proudly. You know, not... Not willingly, I guess. You know, I wish I was right on things that I got wrong. But, you know, ETN's obviously had a really nice season. But ever since they got back from the bye, man, it has been more so the committee, more so the sort of role that I thought he was going to have throughout the year. So, again, I was certainly dead wrong in the first two months. But, again, since that week nine bye, 63% snaps, 65%, 59%, 63%. And we're seeing Dearness Johnson and a slight dose of Tank Bigsby make this into a bit more of a committee. And and when we have ETN averaging, you know, so far south of four yards per carry, it's just a situation where now if we don't have Trevor Lawrence, which I'm with you, I don't really think we will if I had to guess. And even if he's out there, it could be very limited. Like ETN has been living on the scoring upside in this offense. And if you take that away and in a tough matchup, I mean, again, Friedman, it's one of these tough things where I hate to even think about putting someone like ETN on the bench, but you and me are right there together, man. RB 16 and RB 19, two lowest rankers of the group. Not saying you guys have to bench him, but if you do find yourself with the, you know, Rashad White, Devin Achan, Kyron Williams, and you're like, man, can I really bench Travis ETN here? I think with all these variables working against him, man, it's okay. I mean, let's say you're in one of these fantastic situations where somehow have like Christian McCaffrey and Travis Etienne on your team. And then like Zach Moss was someone you added on waivers. And it's like, you start only two running backs or whatever the situation is. Like there is a world that exists where it can be totally justified to bench yeah. Travis Etienne because you have McCaffrey Moss and Kyron Williams or something like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there is someone who has a lineup like that and they're having to think, wait a minute, do I actually bench bench Etienne? And like, I think, yeah, that's the answer because as you mentioned, he's been really inefficient this year. He's no longer getting all of that usage that he was getting before the buy. The matchup is terrible. Uh, it is a game with only like 33, 33 and a half points in the, the total for the betting market. And you're probably missing your starting quarterback who makes it all go. So you're probably not going to have many goal line opportunities, but I mean, he's, he's a good player. There's only like so far he can fall down the rankings, but yeah, I mean, running back 19 in some leagues, someone will probably bench him. And that's the that last point is good. Like again, he is a good player. We're not trying to say to for sure bench him or anything, but again, since it's by 12 touches, 17, 24 and 15, that's good. And accordingly he's produced PPR finishes as the RB 36, the RB 21, the RB 19, the RB 11, but those aren't those like weekly top five finishes we were getting yeah. early on. And when it correlates with the injuries, with the tough matchups and with the change in usage, that's why we accordingly adjust the ranks. 
over in Green Bay. This is one of two Monday night games because the NFL decided we needed two Monday night games in week 14 for some reason. But Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both still limited throughout the week. Jones with his knee injury and Dillon with his groin. So without Jones in the picture, I mean, Dillon really has been stepping up and taking the heavy majority of work in this backfield. Still a lot of Patrick Taylor in terms of kind of snaps and routes, but it's almost like Tennessee Friedman where, you know, okay, Tajay Spears plays a lot alongside Derrick Henry, but they're still finding a way to get Dylan his 15 to 20 touches per game pretty much regardless so hasn't led to a ton of fantasy uh you know production so far he's one of the leaders this year in terms of getting stopped at the one yard line and then not getting a chance to score a touchdown on the same drive but man when you start looking a little bit closer at this Packers offense ascending you know throughout the back half of the season and the matchup against the Giants I mean I'm coming in pretty low on Dylan right now and I know you are as well and you know my RB 24, your RB 30. I see Dwayne with him at RB 17 and I get it. So I haven't quite adjusted it. haven't quite drank that Kool-Aid just yet, but where do you fall on this? Because again, I feel like if it wasn't AJ Dillon, who's kind of been burning us this year, starting him, like everything about this matchup and the usage says he's more of an RB two than we're necessarily treating him. Yeah. So I know I have him at RB 30. I will probably move him up once we get, you know, like more concrete confirmation that uh, Aaron Jones is likely to be out. And like, I, I think he's going to be out, you know, he hasn't played in a while and the Packers are one of the teams where if a guy hasn't played and he's been limited, they're kind of, I mean, it's, they're honestly not that likely to play him. Like normally it's a guy has to get a full practice before the Packers are putting him back on the field if he's been out. So, um, I'm, I am kind of like bullish on AJ Dillon, uh, in the like most recent games that he's had without Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones exited in week 11, missed weeks 12 and 13 in those three games, Dylan has 46 carries, eight targets. And then you mentioned the matchup against the giants who are number 29 in defensive rush EPA. So a really good matchup. The Packers favored by, you know, like six and a half, seven across the market. Uh, it's a pretty decent spot for them. So I mean, AJ Dillon has been so disappointing in terms of his efficiency and his, um, I wouldn't say like inability to get into the end zone, but the fact that he hasn't gotten into the end zone, like he hasn't scored the touchdowns this year that he scored the previous two years. So you put all that together, it's really disappointing, but the usage in the matchup would indicate that he's probably someone that you are starting, uh, if you have him, but you're just kind of holding your breath a little bit. He's been oddly like, okay. You know, he hasn't had a true boom game, but he really hasn't yeah. busted that much, man. Eight right. straight games finishing between the PPR RB 14 and the RB 34. So he only has one yeah. other finish inside the top 20. And that, like, again, I'm not saying he's been crushing it, but also, you know, I don't think you're really looking at your lineup on Tuesday, continuously cursing AJ right. Dillon as the only reason that you lost. You know, another, yeah, Ian, Ian, we're here. AJ Dillon versus Travis Etienne. Mm. I mean, Etienne, but by a hair yeah i think we still gotta go etn but it is close that's yeah. what i'm saying i think though that's i can see dylan getting him up more into that etn area yeah yeah well said Okay, another backfield that is banged up. Seattle, Kenneth Walker, and Zach Charbonnet, both officially questionable. Walker dealing with the oblique injury and Charbonnet with the knee injury. So this one's tough for you, man, because Pete Carroll's come out and said that they are both game time decisions, and this kickoff will be at 4.05 p.m. Eastern. And, oh, yeah, they're facing Fred Warner and the 49ers, who have held opponents to 59, 66, 88, and 46 rushing yards in four games since their week nine bye. So it's another one of these games where we just have injuries. We have a horrific matchup. Yeah, and the weather should be fine in San Francisco. But man, any guys, and I'm talking like anything close in your flex start sit question between the Seahawks running back and someone else, I think you have to go with the other guy, particularly if we don't get any sort of clarity going into Sunday about this uh, you know, situation. Because Freeman, I mean, look. I ranked Zach Charbonnet as my RB23 before even thinking Kenneth Walker was going to have a chance to come back this week. So that was if the backfield was his. We're talking about, you know, a borderline RB2. If we knew it was only Kenneth Walker, I think he would be okay, like a lower, a little bit higher. But like, again, even if we knew these guys were healthy, and even if we were for sure that DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh wouldn't be a bit more involved because in the injuries, like we're struggling to rank them in the top 20 anyway. So if you can, I just think this is a week to stay away. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm skeptical that they end up playing, but is it, like it's a coin flip. We really we don't know. Yeah. And because it's it's one of the later games, uh hopefully we get some sort of confirmation from one of the major uh you know reporters, but I uh, really I would just say this this does as you say feel like a stay away. Missed uh this one with the quarterbacks cuz Seattle is really annoying about their injury reports sometimes but also Freeman Geno Smith is questionable with the groin injury. They did elevate Sean Mannion uh to the active roster which when you see that it does make you think twice. So he was added on Thursday after not being on the report. Pete Carroll when asked about his status only said we'll see. Also mentioned that Geno was rested for the final day of practice. So I tend to think he'll be out there for Freeman. I I agree. Um, the betting market has moved a little bit, and it's actually moving a little bit more actually as we speak. So actually, maybe that means Gino is likely not to play because this oh, was ten and a half, and uh, it had moved to eleven. It's now twelve, twelve and a half. Uh, and so, fast. oh boy, that that kind of actually indicates that maybe there's like some real doubt as to whether Gino is playing like the, the market is moving as I'm talking. Um, so there's, there's possibility Gino's out. Essentially. I was not expecting that. Decision. I like, I didn't think that this was like a real, a real injury. You know what I mean? Pete Carroll just brought this up 15 minutes ago. So yeah, it wasn't even, you know, confirmed by the time we started the podcast, but yeah. Wow. All right. That's Drew Locke's music, Freeman. Let's go see uh, Go see what the guys got. Yeah, that's horrible. Okay, no Gino. Again, it's not like any of these guys were slam dunk plays to begin with. And that includes the wide receivers. Like, we saw how this matchup went. What was it, three weeks ago already? So, even before we knew how serious this Gino injury was, I mean, DK Metcalf just coming in as the consensus wide receiver 19. So, as much as I do remain a closet Drew Locke truther, not closet, I scream it loud and proud, but DK Metcalf would slip down pretty much Freeman into that you know garrett wilson calvin ridley wide receiver three territory of talented wide receivers forced to play with usually shitty quarterbacks yeah this would have ripple effects for all of the skill position players and i would say it would also probably have uh like upward impacts like slight upward impact on all the skill position players for the 49ers because they would probably have the ball a little bit more on offense Maybe I picked them for our teaser, although those will probably be the famous uh, last words now that I had to bring it up. All right, moving on. We do have Bears running back Deontay Foreman not listed with the ankle injury. So this is where it gets interesting because all three of Herbert, Foreman, and Roshan Johnson were healthy in week 11 finally, and accordingly no single running back played over 50% of the offensive snaps. It was a gross, unusable three back committee however after Deontay Foreman was out in week 12 in that gross game against the Vikings or fields through approximately 50 screen passes we actually saw Roshan end up leading the way with a robust 75% snap rate just 22% for Khalil Herbert seemingly wasn't dealing with an injury out there because again he had played 44% of the snaps and led the backfield in the previous week so Herbert's had an extra week to get healthy if he was still feeling some effects obviously Foreman is now back in the picture but thoughts on Roshan Freeman potentially having this, you know, much uh, anticipated post by rookie bump. Yeah, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Jeff Ulrich, who talked about Roshan Johnson on the prop pod that we recorded earlier today. So nice. his rushing number was 14 and a half when Jeff started talking about it. And it's now up to 17 and a half, 18 and a half across the market. I think it will continue to move up. Uh, I think we have it projected internally around like 28. Um, but I think that could even potentially be a little bit low because as you mentioned, like Roshan before the buy, like that last game, he was really looking kind of like the guy. So even with Dante Foreman returning, even if all three of those backs end up getting some usage, there's a chance that Roshan is actually the lead back moving forward. So we'll be really curious to see how all of this plays out, but, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic on Roshan than uh than I was earlier. And so I have him right now ranked as my RB35, but I might bump that up a little bit because it feels like out of all of the running backs who that are kind of like outside of the guys that you are clearly considering starting, he actually might end up having the highest upside. 
And I'm with you. I think this week it's going to be tough to get a much higher than what you have now. Maybe top, like, okay, 31, 32. Like, that's fine. But more so, we're going to keep these guys in the RB3 range until we get that one extra data point that confirms Roshan as the lead dog. And then it'd be wheels up for the fantasy playoffs. So, again, I know, not in your league, but God forbid you guys do see him hanging out there. The time is certainly now to add him to that roster. Two more minor ones that don't really matter. Samaje Piran, questionable with the knee injury, would be a minor uptick for uh, Javante Williams, but I think he's set up pretty brilliantly regardless. And also the Saints continue to be without rookie running back Kendra Miller. So guys, before we move on to wide receivers, want to give a shout out again to our lovely sponsors over at DraftKings. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers week after week. Fantasy Life has partnered up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL. And right now they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no sweat bet on any same game parlor or Same Game Parlay X. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using my promo code INJURYPOD. That's I-N-J-U-R-Y-P-O-D, INJURYPOD. And if you're a new customer, you are definitely going to want to listen up. Right now on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can do with that $150 in bonus bets? Well, combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. And if sports betting is not yet available in your state, not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All customers can use my promo code InjuryPod and get that no sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same game parlay bet loses. Max rewards limit apply. And again, that's promo code InjuryPod only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Wide receiver, Freeman. We got an absolute dog coming back into action this week. Justin Jefferson not listed on the final injury report with that hamstring injury. Great to have him back in his four full games this year. Went for a buck 50, buck 59, 149 in a touchdown and 85 yards and two touchdowns before sadly suffering that hamstring injury in week five against the Chiefs. So starting Justin Jefferson everywhere. And also just want to point out that Tyree Kill, while he did miss practice on Thursday, certainly seems fine for Monday night got back out there on the field on Friday and you know they're just being smart with them throughout the year like Freeman if there is someone that's kind of taken Julio Jones's like award for just constantly like getting banged up once or twice a week missing a couple snaps but then you see him back out there on the field before you can like overly worry about it it's been Tyreek Hill yeah absolutely and uh, I mean it's it feels like you know with Justin Jefferson having been out for so long it has just been Tyreek Hill and then a tier and yeah. the next wide receiver after him like it's uh you know like no disrespect to like cd lamb or like that hot streak that aj brown went on earlier in the year but this really feels like a like the season of tyree kill and if yeah. you've had tyree kill in fantasy you've kind of had a a cheat code at wide receiver that a lot of other people just haven't had I love yelling about Tyreek Hill being America's real pick for MVP at least once a week, but I will not put you guys through that rant once again. Christian Kirk with the Jaguars, obviously on IR with that groin injury. Zay Jones, though, is good to go despite having this nagging knee issue. So already, I think, spent plenty of time with this Jaguars offense. More concerningly is in New Orleans. Chris Olave officially questionable with an illness after not practicing on Thursday and Friday, but not so fast, my friends. He is reportedly expected to play per A-speed reporter Nick Underhill. So Good news there. Also was surprised to see Rashid Shahid actually draw the questionable tag despite not practicing all week long. So not expecting him to play. And accordingly, we should get some A.T. Perry and Lynn Bowden to join Alave in three wide receiver sets. So honestly, Freeman, I mean, you said in the betting market, like whether it's Carr or Winston, it doesn't matter. Whether it's Carr or Winston for Chris Alave, I don't think it matters. He's locked in as a legit, you know, top 12, top 15 option at the position against a Panthers defense that is actually getting a lot of starters back this week and should be healthier but even then man with double digit targets and a player as good as Alave, start the man yeah i agree i i do wish we could have seen a little bit of winston with Alave because i, I just feel like winston has more of that willingness to throw it deep and see if Alave can get it and like Carr before the injury he started to exhibit that a little bit um, you know, like what they did in the first half was really great. And then Carr got injured, but, um, maybe Carr's a little more willing to throw it down, uh, the field than he has been for most of the season. But man, I just, I feel like as you, as you say, like, we're probably not going to adjust 
the rankings for Olave any based on Carr versus Winston. You know, like he's he's getting so much target volume anyway that he's kind of just like in that range wherever he belongs. But I feel like the ceiling is a little bit diminished with Derek Carr versus Winston. There's a game last year, one of the few that we've seen Alave with a full game with Jameis, and he had over 300 unrealized air yards. So I ended up catching, you know, a couple of them as well, but that truly is just the ridiculous fantasy-friendly ceiling that can be on the table when Jameis is out there. Over in Green Bay, it does look like Christian Watson is going to miss this Monday night game against the Giants. He has not managed to practice at all this week. Meanwhile, Jaden Reed is already out there in a limited fashion, continuing to play through the pain of that chest injury, which really hasn't seemed to impact his playing time or his performance. But, you know, last week, Freeman, I don't think he even got out there in a limited fashion until Friday. So just good to see him healthy. And accordingly, he is leading the way. Wide receiver 27 in our consensus ranks. Romeo Dobbs at wide receiver 40. And if you're trying to get freaky in those DFS streets. Don Tavian Wicks, the most likely candidate, I would say, to fill in for Watson and three wide receiver sets. So any takes here, Freeman? Yeah, the it is interesting. So Jaden Reed, they uh in week 12, he was dealing with the chest injury, but you know, he was able to practice throughout the week. He had 79% route rate. Last week, he was uh, much more limited in practice, had some DNPs, and had only a 51% route rate last week. So, like, there was a slight downtick for him uh, in terms of overall usage. Now, some of that might have been kind of like game script, whatever it is, you know, but um, that was a little bit concerning. So, it is good that he's already logging in limited practices early in the week versus having some DNPs because it like it gives me hope, especially with Christian Watson being out, that we do see him get back to like that 75, 80% route rate that we saw earlier in the year. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we see him kind of return to what he was doing earlier in the year. Moving along to Amari Cooper, suffered that concussion last week, also dealing with the ribs injury, officially questionable. I didn't think he was going to play after racking up back-to-back DMPs to start the week, but dig in a limited session on Friday, and Kevin Stefanski himself even said that he could be cleared in time to play week 14. So concussion protocol in uh, you know November and December, Friedman, just isn't what it was in September, apparently. Uh, funny how that works. But Marquise Goodwin has finally cleared the protocol, so he'll be there in a complimentary role. But You know, just the more I look at this game, I wonder if perhaps we're underestimating Cooper and Elijah Moore a little bit. I mean, we just saw what Jake freaking Browning was able to do to this Jaguars defense. They've been kind of a pass funnel group all season long. All of a sudden, it doesn't look like we're going to get really much of a, you know, bad weather game up there in Cleveland. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to be jamming Amari Cooper into my top 20 options or anything, Friedman, but especially as a bit of a, you know, contrarian DFS stack, I think looking at some of these pass game options in Cleveland could make sense because that's just the faith i have in flacco i mean it's scary to say (laughs) yeah that's true if that feels like the ultimate sign of like where we are in the season and where this season has gone in general (laughs) that it's like joe flacco out there sign me up on an injured amari cooper in a game with wind issues and a 33 point total but it's not like you know it's not unreasonable so yeah amari cooper i'm with you i wasn't expecting him at all to have a, a chance of playing in this game but uh you know it's uh think about like brock purdy like years not years ago but weeks ago like he suffered that that concussion and we just thought he was out and he came back and he was like the first one to come back within a week uh that more than maybe anything else is like hey this guy's the mvp he broke down the uh, concussion protocol barrier for everyone else to follow but Amari Cooper, I think he actually has a chance of playing in this game. And I just like I was not expecting it. I think it's probably a little bit greater than 50 percent, given the way that like the beat reporters and Stefanski has talked about him. I think he's probably playing in this game. But because of the total, like maybe you uh, you look somewhere else. But I don't know. Like, I think it would probably be hard to bench Amari Cooper uh, if he's actually healthy. Right now, looking at it, I have Adam Thielen as my wide receiver 30, and I could see myself just putting Cooper one spot ahead of him. So still probably wouldn't be starting ahead of guys like Calvin Ridley, Garrett Wilson, Jaden Reed, Brandon Cooks. But again, like not someone you should be overly shying away from, which has sadly been the case sometimes based on that situation under center in Cleveland. Uh, Good news for Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua. He is not listed on the injury report with that shoulder injury. So good to go there. Just hope that Mother Nature chills out in that aforementioned bad weather 
another game in Baltimore. So definitely more so of a low end wide receiver two this week. Freeman has him wide receiver 21. I have him wide receiver 19. Both of us do have him ahead of Cooper Cup, who is coming in as the consensus wide receiver 25. So, you know, Freeman, we, again, we've talked about this weather. It's, it's a tiebreaker at this point, and it's also going hand to hand with just such a brutal matchup against the Ravens. So it sucks. I mean, I think we'll still have better days for both, especially as Cooper gets healthy. But yeah, man, as great as things have been for, you know, especially Puka throughout the year. I mean, the dude is on pace to break Jamar Chase's rookie receiving yard record. And even Cooper Cup, you know, those first two games, which now seem like a freaking century ago off of injury, not saying they're, you know, completely dead this year, but for this week, man, very much fine starting uh, some other dogs ahead of them if you got them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And think about Puka Nakua kind of long-term, like his value in Dynasty, I feel like he's probably still undervalued in Dynasty. And if not for what we were seeing out of CJ Stroud, like Puka would have a real shot of getting offensive rookie of the year. Like he has had that kind of like caliber of season, as you mentioned, like up there with like Jamar Chase in terms of like what a rookie has done. And it's really been him coming out of nowhere, but like he, it doesn't look fluky with him. Like it looks like he's like an actual legit NFL wide receiver. Who's able to win through technique and like good enough athleticism and like much better, like with the ball in his hand as like a yak creator than I would have anticipated. So yeah, very much like Puka Nakua, but this might not be the week. Um, I mean, I, I imagine if you have him, you're starting him because you probably don't have three like top 15 wide receivers, but you know, maybe you do. I still think you probably have to start him this week, but like you kind of have to also enter into it with diminished expectations. Tom McVay has also been dusting off some of the old uh, Bobby Trees run plays for Puka in recent weeks yes. and getting those fly sweeps again. And hey, man, like if that does become more of a reality down the line, I mean, Robert Woods had three straight years with at least 115 rushing yards out there. So, hey, helps over the course of a 17 game season for sure. Chargers will not be getting Joshua Palmer back this week. He is staying on IR for at least another game with that knee injury. So continues to be Keenan Allen and largely everyone else. We'll also note that Noah Brown apparently is still dealing with this questionable. Uh, he's dealing with the knee injury. He's officially questionable. He was limited on Wednesday, full on Thursday, and then had a DMP on Friday. So could be maintenance, but man, when you get that questionable tag, that is not great. So honestly, like, I don't even care if he plays that much this week, Freeman. They're facing the Jets. We've been over the weather. Like, he's nothing more than a wide receiver for this week, but I just want Noah Brown to be healthy and ready to go in that full-time role for these week 15 and 17 matchups against the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, as you say, I don't think it makes much of a difference this week, although, you know, maybe it gives like a slight bump to some of the other wide receivers yeah. there, you know, maybe Nico Collins a little bit, maybe Robert Woods, um, maybe even like Brevin Jordan, assuming that yeah. he is, ends up being the guy. But uh, yeah, like Noah Brown is a really intriguing guy because he's got athleticism. We've seen him produce in the past. He can play inside and outside, which, you know, I think like makes him pretty intriguing. Uh, and like, he's clearly not the number one receiver, so he's not going to get a lot of defensive attention, but within that offense, like he's good enough to produce if given opportunities. Also should see again, if Brown is going to be sidelined, it would mean full-time roles for both Robert Woods and John Mechie. The, you know, the Texans have been pretty content moving their wide receivers all over, but I do think Mechie could find a way to lead the team in slot snaps. Could have had a 56 yard touchdown last week, but unfortunately got an overthrow by Stroud. No, don't start him with your fantasy playoff hopes on the line. But if you're looking for that, you know, low price DFS sleeper, I do think Mechie could hold some alert there. Tyler Boyd, questionable with an ankle injury with the Bengals. It was a midweek addition. He did practice in a limited fashion on Friday, so I do think he could be okay. But, man, you know, just, again, three games with Jake Browning hasn't even cleared 40 yards, despite Browning having, like, a 5.5-yard average target depth. So, under 60 yards in all but one game this season. Just a low, you know, low-ceiling wide receiver four at best. Also, Jason Brownlee out for the Jets, if you care about that. Any notes there, Freeman? Uh, no, I mean, Tyler Boyd is, like, barely out producing uh Trent Irwin you know like he's he's not really much of an entity at this point 
couple tight end injuries to go over before we get on out of here. Appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast. Dallas Goddard back in action, been dealing with this forearm. Seemed like he almost had a chance to play last week against the 49ers. Couldn't do it. Ended up practicing in full all week and is tentatively expecting to have his usual every down roll ahead of Sunday night's massive NFC East showdown against the Cowboys. So I don't think he warrants, you know, complete, oh, top five, top six, let's go, you know, treatment, Freeman, because as we saw earlier in the year, I mean, when you have an offense with A.J. Brown, with Devonta Smith, like you are going to have these low floor games. It's not all that dissimilar from, you know, George Kittle and the 49ers. Just, you know, Goddard's kind of almost like a middle class man's version of that. So still a tight end 11 in PPR points per game this year. You know, I certainly would play him ahead of guys like David Njoku, Isaiah Likely, Kyle Pitts this week. But once we get up into the, you know, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Kincaid, George Kittle, all those guys, I would be sitting Goddard behind them. Yeah. Low end, uh, tight end one. And then it's just kind of a question of exactly where you draw that line. Like, um, Isaiah likely is maybe like one of the guys that you're sort of like close to a coin flip at that point. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, in most leagues where someone has him, they're probably starting him and especially like weather issues across the slate, uh, this game being played, you know, in Dallas, in a dome, super high scoring expected, you know, highest uh, total uh, for the week. I imagine, like, if you have him, you're probably starting him. I mean, it's, you know, like Dallas Goddard going against the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like just even <laughs> from a karmic perspective, you're starting him. I know Eagles fans still remember that hellacious OPI penalty on Goddard back when he was a rookie that nullified like a 65-yard touchdown against the Cowboys. Maybe just maybe he can get some revenge for that one. Taysom Hill officially questionable with a foot and a left-hand injury. Head coach Dennis Allen did clarify that the foot is the bigger issue here and did not manage to practice all week. For some reason, Freeman, I feel like he has a better chance at playing through the pain than Rashid Shahid. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping Nick Underhill can give us an update because he did just tell us three minutes ago that Derek Carr is expected to play alongside of Chris Olave. So we already kind of went through there not being that big of a difference. Oh, here we go. Freaking love you, Nick. Okay. He said, I'd be surprised, but we'll see if Taysom plays. So potentially no Taysom Hill out there, which again is more reason to trust someone like Dallas Goddard. So honestly, Freeman, like just this uncertainty with Taysom and knowing that it's the foot that's giving him problems. Even if he's active, man, all of a sudden I'm not feeling as good about him getting those double digit carries per week that we've seen recently that have largely been, you know, saving the day in fantasy land. Exactly. I mean, I know he's like listed as like tight end or quarterback or whatever he's listed yeah. as, but like he's he's a runner. And, you know, with the ankle injury uh, or the foot injury, it's just a little less certain that he's going to be out there. I will say the Saints are one of the few teams that like have uh, had the situation where a guy DNPs all week and is listed as questionable and then actually plays like they did that just this last week with Cameron Jordan. Uh, who had an ankle injury. So like, it's a little more possible with the saints than I'd say it is with most teams, but I still don't think it's likely. And obviously like if uh, one of the top beat reporters for the saints is saying that it's unlikely, then that's the sign. So that really sucks because Taysom Hill has been awesome this yeah. year. Like, I mean, he's done like his normal Taysom Hill things, except it feels like even a little bit better than usual uh especially as like the goal line vulture basically so not having that really hurts this week and there were even a few games especially when they had you know different injuries going on in their tight end room where he just actually started playing in line tight end and he looked fine enough doing it so you know yeah. i've certainly sent my uh, fair share of slander over to Taysom, but i've learned sometimes you know what you just gotta embrace it put him on your fantasy team and reap the benefits just not this week i will also know juan johnson is questionable with the quad he practiced in a limited fashion all week but it's just kind of weird man like last week we actually saw him dip down in just a 61 percent route rate fossil moreau and even Jimmy Graham got more involved than they had been in recent weeks. So Jawan, someone that, you know, I still believe him, but man, two brutal drops in his uh, early opportunities last week and just didn't really get looked at the rest of the game. So going to be someone, you know, alongside the next guy we're going to talk about, Jawan Johnson and Brevin Jordan, you know, both in that, you know, kind of upside tight end two conversation. But I think I would lean towards Brevin Jordan this point. Uh, that is with Dalton Schultz confirmed out with a hamstring injury for the Texans. So this looks like one man that they honestly tried to get 
him back. I mean, because Schultz opened up the week with a limited practice and then downgraded to back-to-back DMP. So, hey, could get a situation where Brevin Jordan is all of a sudden the tight end one ahead of, again, these salivating fantasy playoff matchups against the Titans. So this week against the Jets, I mean, even if the Jets aren't the best defense against, you know, tight ends because offenses tend to not want to throw at their corners. I mean, they haven't allowed over 275 passing yards in a game all season long. So I'm excited about Brevin Jordan, Friedman. Uh, John Daigle and I share a dynasty team and we blew like $700 just to freaking get him because we have no tight ends. Like that's how freaking desperate we were. We just needed Brevin Jordan of all people. So yeah, I'm hopeful for the guy, but just in terms of our actual ranks, man, like if you wanted to put him ahead of, you know, Pat Fryermuth, Kyle Pitts, if you wanted to get him on that tight end one borderline, not going to call you crazy, but I probably will give Kyle Pitts the benefit of the doubt as well. He's a borderline tight end one upside tight end two. Yeah, I mean, it feels it would feel aggressive to put him ahead of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, but <laughs> like it's not like that is the line. I would say everyone after that. I mean, like Gerald Everett, Cade Otten. You know, he, I have him ahead of Jawan Johnson already. Yep. You know, like yeah, he's he's on that borderline. And so if you end up starting him, I don't think like that's a massive mistake, just kind of depending on who you have or who you don't have. But, you know, uh, given that Dalton Schultz is out, given that Tank Dell is out, Noah Brown is out, like Brevin Jordan is going to be on the field a lot and he's going to be running routes. So uh, attached to CJ Stroud, even in, you know, negative weather conditions, negative matchup. I feel like he's probably someone that makes sense to be in a lot of starting lineups. He's got that kind of like Gerald Everett to him where I'm always going to be too high in him because they break a lot of tackles and have really great yak. Probably not as good in real life as some of those numbers say. Maybe they don't have the same, you know, savvy ability. They're not the same sort of gym rat that can go in there and sit in, you know, the soft spot in zone coverage or anything like that. But hey, when you got CJ Stroud throwing the ball, might not matter. So yeah, Brevin, my tight end 14 on the week. I do have Kyle Pitts as one spot ahead, but I would start Jordan ahead of guys like Isaiah Likely, you know, Kate Otten, Gerald Everett, amongst others. Tyler Higby, doubtful for the Rams. Tyler Conklin, good to go for the Jets. The Panthers are dealing with all kinds of injuries with Hayden Hurst out, Stephen Sullivan, and Tommy Tremble questionable. Maybe paving the way for an Ian Thomas featured role, whatever the hell that is worth. And also Durham Smythe dealing with an ankle injury with the Dolphins. Any notes there, Friedman? Like the biggest name is obviously Higby, but honestly, like we're not expecting a secondary tight end to really step up. If anything, just, you know, a slight bump in projected volume for Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua. Yeah, uh, I think you you said it. Really not much to talk about. The Ian Thomas thing is kind of interesting from a like punt play DFS perspective kind of situation. Um, but even then, that's not all that intriguing. But it is tough to say no to mm-hmm. a tight end who's probably going to be on the field every play. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just that's that's where I can like, <laughs> just be like, hey, you know, he's going to be on the field and he's cheap. But even then, I don't know if I'd want to invest. Did that a couple weeks ago. Nailed it, guys. I was all over Tommy Tremble. He went out there. He caught one pass for a four-yard touchdown. Just there the you absolute stuff that, you know, men price tight end hopes and dreams are made out of. Few other injuries on the uh, defensive or offensive line. Um, you know, Buccaneers secondary and just defense as a whole is getting a little bit healthier. They're getting Levante David back this week. But Devin White's still out. Jamel Dean is still out. And Vita Vea is still questionable with that toe injury. So we saw what Chuba Hubbard to this, you know, def- depleted front seven last week, fully expecting B. John Robinson to keep the good times rolling there. Atlanta secondary is all kinds of banged up. Each of A.J. Terrell, Jeffrey Okuda, and Mike Hughes are questionable with various injuries. Terrell is progressing through the concussion protocol, but just realize Mike Evans and company should have every opportunity to feast as they have been. And by Mike Evans and company, I should probably just say Mike Evans. Also would note Panthers, again, getting healthier. J.C. Horn should be back out there. Same with Troy Hill, Jeremy Chin and Von Bell. So big time upgrades for their secondary. Not great mood, you know, not great news for Derek Carr and Chris Olave, but given just the condensed volume and how much we do trust Olave as a talent, not overly concerned. Again, expecting Denzel Ward to play through that questionable tag and also Cameron Mitchell as well. Um, Jaguars cornerbacks are really banged up. I mean, Tyson Campbell, Trey Herndon, and Christian Braswell all ruled out. So that's another, you know, Freeman, if we just want to make this whole show about Joe Flacco. 
another reason to be, uh, you know, intrigued by what's going on there. Would also know the Jaguars will be without their starting left tackle, Walker Little, with a hamstring injury. So that's not good. Lions also without a key starting offensive lineman in Frank Ragnow dealing with knee, back, and toe injuries. There's a joke in there somewhere. And yeah, Cameron Jordan should be playing through that ankle tag and a Saints defense that is a little banged up, but overall not too bad. Any final notes with this going on, Freeman? Yeah, I mean, the Panthers getting back uh, all of those uh, secondary pieces and a number of those guys played last week, but some of them were limited. And so, you know, it's good to see that they're getting healthier. They probably play more snaps this week. So, you know, great for them. Not great news for Chris Olave. And, you know, from the betting market perspective, I think it does make the Panthers a little bit spicy as underdogs of, you know, like five and a half, six points like that feels like a lot for uh, Derek Carr and. And uh, I'm just blanking on the name of their coach. Oh, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, both of both of whom have been uh, pretty subpar throughout their careers as favorites. So, I mean, I don't really want to be backing the Panthers as underdogs or like as uh, really like anything, uh, given how they've performed this year. But, man, I also wouldn't want to be on the Saints. So it just it makes that matchup a little bit more intriguing because the strength of the Panthers yeah. is their defense. So if their defense is healthier it just does make that game a little bit spicier. That's the one you bet and just make sure you, you know, don't, don't, don't put that one in the quad box on, uh, you know, Sunday right. at 1 p.m. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Final note, uh, this did come in during the show, but uh, Jacksonville Jaguars beat reporter Demetrius Harvey is reporting that he thinks Lawrence is 80-20 uh, to actually play. He believes he will give it wow. a go. So, hey, it's, you know, I will take a banged up Trevor Lawrence over CJ. I couldn't be efficient in a Kyle Shanahan offense, Bethard, you know. Not saying that bar is that high for him, but that's that's fair. Uh, Real, real warrior stuff. uh, If Trevor Lawrence is out there, just was not expecting that at all. Did it earlier this year against the Saints. Had that nasty injury last year as well. Obviously, one tough dude under center over there in Jacksonville. But yeah, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. Everyone, make sure you subscribe to our Fantasy Life and Betting Life newsletter. Three days a week on the Betting Life front, seven in Fantasy Life. But truly, Matthew Friedman, Jeff Ulrich, and Matt Lamarca doing fantastic work over there. And hey, as we you know get sadly you know into these weeks where less football is going to be going on, if you're like me and still want to have you know some action going on in those basketball or hockey streets you want to check out the betting life staff because they will have you hooked up and you know uh what are we calling a freeman in intelligent degeneracy that's our new motto yeah it's it's either intelligent degeneracy or intelligently degenerate i'm not sure which one we are we're going with i think they're sort of interchangeable we will figure that out but yeah i think you guys get the point just trying to have fun and maybe you know just a little bit more informed uh, than the average person while we do that so for matthew i'm ian thanks again for tuning in the fantasy live podcast and until next time take care everybody